This is Up the Creek, the definitive Jonathan Creek podcast with your host, my good friend, Daniel Krupa, and me, Gav Murphy. Today, we're faced with a Jonathan Creek fan convention and a glamour model in a coma who can teleport. So on this podcast, we talk about Jonathan Creek via the effect, the method, and the reveal. Daniel, what is the effect of Miracle in Crooked Lane? Christian missionary, which is harder to say than you think. <laughs> Kathleen Gilmore sees former glamour model Jackie on her way to church while she is, in fact, miles away in hospital, deep within a coma. It always bothers me it's called Miracle in Crooked Lane, not Miracle on Crooked Lane. Why is that? Is it? I thought maybe it was something clever to do with what happens in the episode. I don't think it is. Oh, it's just the wrong preposition. I was like, are the ghost forging us uh, <laughs> with it? I don't know. I N I. This is what he wants. <laughs> it's an I in Jackie. <laughs> it's been a lot in Jackie, mate. Um, oh, so- <laughs> uh, well, I know what I'm putting in grot cabinet. <laughs> I I really like this episode, you know. Because of the grot. Not just because of the grot. It reminds me a lot of Murder, She Wrote, where someone's trying to come up with like an elaborate alibi. Because that's essentially what the, you know, the actual crux of it is, isn't it? Is a man, uh, we'll get onto it, but like trying to come up with a really good al- alibi. Kind of like Eyes of Tiraseus. Yeah, yeah. Time shift murder. That's what we're talking about, time shift murders. Exactly. And I like that the entire effect and everything that's happening is done in the sort of backdrop or with the backdrop of this weird, was it Mystery Writers Convention? Which has invited Jonathan along to. It, it feels weird because it feels quite big, but also at the, at the same time, very, very quaint and weird. Like Danny DeVito is there. Oh, hey, Danny DeVito, what did I tell you? Where? The Danny DeVito thing is insane. Why is that in there? Why is it in it? I don't get it. Is it because the only thing I think of is they had someone on staff that could do a passable impression of Danny DeVito going, wait a minute, wait a minute. And they were like, right, we'll have that in it. Because it's very strange. But the way it's shot as well, just a huddle of people around a small person. It's, yeah. <laughs> that's probably dated quite a lot to be fair the thing that i i think is really strange about it is like jonathan's like a guest of honor it feels like people are allowed to be a little bit too close to him and the same with danny devito it feels like they none of them have got any handlers or anything like that it reminds me a bit of like before yeah before we actually knew each other but we both went to it you worked at it or just started working at kapow comic con do you remember that in london just before i got my job it's just before you got your job yeah i went to it and they showed the first thor film so it's obviously like way at the right at the beginning of the marvel cinematic universe and I was at a panel which had Chris Hemsworth in it. They just brought him in and there was no stage or anything. He just had like a little table that was about two meters away from the front row. <laughs> and I was like, I, I was right at the front and I was like, I'm too close to this man. I shouldn't be allowed to be this close. I could do anything to him right now. Honestly, and like when they got when they finished and he, he walked off, we were we were all led out the same exit. So everyone just had to walk past him while he was just sort of like milling about, waiting like for instructions on where to go next. And I was like That's never gonna happen now. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> But I was like, this shouldn't be happening. This shouldn't be happening like this. 
But yeah, it feels like Danny DeVito shouldn't be allowed just to walk around with all these people just bothering him like this. And neither should Jonathan Creek for that matter. But I, it, this does answer like something from the last few episodes. We were like, I guess they are semi-famous now. Yeah. Even though they've been given a very small tent, it's almost as if it's cultivated a very small but rabid fan base. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, super rabid because they're dressed up like him. They're essentially cosplaying Creek. They've actually grown the hair. They're not, they haven't bought a wig or anything. These people have actually grown their hair out to be like him and then bought duffel coats. That's weird. Did they invent cosplaying? I think this is actually the first usage of cosplay in popular culture. It probably is. But there's also, there's also two types of Jonathan fan. In Omega Man, we saw he's also very popular with young girls. Yes. But also equally popular for different reasons, presumably, amongst middle-aged men. Say middle-aged, probably our age now. They are age. You know, oh, of course they are. We're doing a Jonathan Creek podcast. Yeah, that's true. We are them. <laughs> we are them. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, so you get all of this, and then obviously, uh, what's his name? Jeff. Jonathan, hi. Oh man, fantastic. Jeff Torrance, huge, huge fan. Hi. How are you doing? Wow. Introduces you to this wild thing that Kathleen Gilmore has apparently seen this sex kitten, Jackie Jordan. But what's actually happened is Kathleen's sense of time is being artfully manipulated to give her carer, Vince Reese, a rock-solid alibi so he can kill the man who his wife left him for. Who happens to make balloon animals. He makes balloon animals, yeah. I like it. I like it a lot, you know. There's some weird stuff going on. Again, they're investigating something which... Are there people... I'm trying to work out who in the episode believes. I think Kathleen maybe believes that it is a weird out-of-body experience. I think also the fact that she is Christian plays into that. So Kathleen is set up as this paragon of truth. Yes. Because you have to believe... I think there's this phrase that she is like pathologically honest or something. So you have to believe her. So there is this thing about... I think there's a thing in ghost stories where somebody's spirit can appear when they're close to death or something like that. So I think there's some of that being mixed in here as well. But yeah, look, it's actually quite ingenious the way that Vince goes about it in that he works in like lighting and he worked on, he's worked on TV as a cameraman. And I think that's how he met Kathleen. And what he's done is got rigged up uh, some lighting so it, it feels to Kathleen and just controlled her environment. So it feels to Kathleen like it's light when it's actually dark outside. Yeah, he says over the course, I think, of two weeks, he shifted her body clock or sense of time an hour per day. So when it's six in the evening, it's actually six in the morning. So she sees Jackie in the morning of that day. But what I like about this is we've had this a few times with Jonathan Creek episodes where the fantastical effect is actually accidental. It's accidental here again. Yeah. Jackie wasn't meant to turn up. It's a weird, bad coincidence that has created this set of events that seem impossible. And also the fact that Vincent wasn't there. He didn't see this happen. He couldn't... Because if he was there, Jackie might not have stopped for a chat. Kathleen might not have spoken out to her. And it just happens later that day, Jackie commits suicide. She committed suicide, doesn't she? Or is it an accident? Well, this is the thing. I've written down, it's like... I can't work out if it's an accident and she's just a moron or she did it on purpose. She seems really depressed in general, but 
Or is she just a moron? I don't know. But also, it's, re- it's really strange because she goes to the pub. Ah, oh, lovely, lovely pub, the cricketers. And says to the old man, like I did have this in Grot Camera, but I got so much stuff in Grot Camera, I don't mind putting it here. She says, uh, yeah, what, is, what does she say? <laughs> room for me to squeeze my bottom in. You want to squeeze it for me, Tom. I don't. <laughs> and the ladies, like one of them's presumably his wife, looks a bit put out by this and they get up and they move away from her. And then she looks really, really sad. And then she comes back and starts kicking off because of the stuff in the newspaper. It's like, you can't come on to the, a dude like so blatantly, then be really, really sad when the, his wife kicks off about it. Part of me always thinks that guy's going to just stay sitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's like, and then she comes back and her mood is shifted, but also because there's this big story about her in the sun. But I feel like regardless if that story of her is in the sun or not, that reaction would have been exactly the same. And which is, which is why I don't understand why she comes back so upset. It's really odd. And that's why I have no idea if it's it's a, it's a suicide or not. She's a pretty undersketched character in general. Yeah. There's, there's quite a few good clues, I think, for this one. I think the biggest one that I've never really realized before until watching this episode. And we'll come back to this scene for different reasons later. But the scene where Jonathan and Maddie are about to get it on in bed, you think that's nighttime. Yeah. And then Jonathan opens the windows and you've been you've basically been fooled like Kathleen in that scene. Yeah. It's not nighttime at all. You just think it is because of the presentation, but it's actually three o'clock in the afternoon. And so the biggest clue for how this is done is foregrounded right at the beginning of the episode. It's really good. There's also some really strange foregrounded. I'm convinced of this, but it's not confirmed or anything like that. I think it's just a really, really nice, lovely thing. But you know when Jonathan and Maddie are looking around the garden? Mm -hmm. If you watch that scene back, the contrast changes so wildly. So there's a shot where it looks like it's clearly day. And then there's a shot where you can't see the sky, where Emma Kennedy turns up, Christine. And the contrast changes so much and the light changes so much on their face that I think they've done like a little clever... Shooting day for night. To show you how easy it is to do it. We're going to put it in the episode. I'm conv- I'm convinced of it. It's lovely. Because that whole conversation at the end when Jonathan's talking about it, it's very common in TV to shoot day for night and night for day. Yeah. Is very self-referential, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm I'm convinced that they've done it. Also, Renwick's got previous on this. The episode with Heidi when she does the production at the windmill. Mm. There's a lot of dialogue there about the the best, how boring TV production is. So yeah, yeah. Renwick definitely has priors talking about the way TV shows are made in Jonathan Creek. I like it. I like it a lot. Other clues. So we've got Jackie's damp trousers uh, around the ankles. Um, Kathleen feeling groggy. The big one, I think, is when Jeff cuts across the field. I think that's when Jonathan tallies what the wet trousers is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, because there's a really lingering epiphany shot of him staring at his trousers, <laughs> at the bottom of his trousers. And like, it, it, like, it lingers there for quite a while. Yeah, and I guess when they start examining Vincent's house more closely, they find this big groove in the grass. It is... Uh... It's a genius little plan he's come up with. It's super elaborate, but I do think works. Yeah. I think there is quite a lot that could go wrong, but not as much left a chance as some of the other ones recently. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's the thing is like, it is, is very, very elaborate, but in a satisfying way, not in a, oh, for fuck's sake way. Other than the fact that I do feel like it is quite a small little village and 
I think maybe some people would see it. Would uh, <laughs> maybe some people would have been like, "What about all that mad scaffolding, Vince? That's outside his house for ages." Well, they make a lot of to to get around that. They make a lot of going. Oh, there's a lot of foliage. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you're from this angle, you're around the corner. It's just mad lighting. It is a big old scaffolding in that shot. Like it shows. It's massive. But I think it is at, at its core a proper magic trick. Because what you're doing yeah. is you're manipulating someone's sensory information, which is what magic is. And I think this is a real return to form for the series. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is definitely a high point in the series for sure. But Jonathan's epiphany is a bit weird. He's just looking out the crack in the window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they put a lot on that moment to bring it all together. It's really strange, that is. I really love in the reveal, even though Vince has done a murder and actually set up something, you know, quite dastardly. <laughs> I do still quite like him. He's like, I, I don't think you should be murdering people having an affair, but it is quite nice when he just goes, oh, Jesus Christ, when he's been caught. He's like, yeah, all right, I did it. Sorry. Oh, shit. Life isn't fair, Vince, but rubbing out the man who stole your wife doesn't exactly put things to rights, does it? I think when you watch enough procedural stuff, what you're always trying to do is keep an ear out for the stuff that is unnecessary detail. Yeah. And early on in the episode, when he just goes off about one, about his wife leaving him. <laughs> yeah. It's like my missus, PhD in medieval history, and she runs off with a man who makes balloon animals. The guts are just suddenly ripped out of your life like that. I don't know. I suppose you just have to find a way of dealing with it. That's probably coming back. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, I think he says as well, just rips the guts out of you. <laughs> like, I feel a bit, I feel really sad for Rupert. He is a very interesting character. But when he just, he's like, I'm sorry to get you all mixed up in this, Rupert. And he's like, anyway, I think I believe it. Doesn't even look at Vince. Yeah. Doesn't even look at him. Love it. Absolutely love it. I don't know where else to put this, but I don't know if you picked up on it. Do you know the bit... Um when Maddie's talking to Rupert about his love for Jackie mm. and he, he he thinks she's the most exquisite creature that's ever walked the earth and he says I doubt if David or Ingress could do her justice and then it cuts that moment to her big bandaged face I it was really, <laughs> it's just a really funny cut what I think is really strange is as well is like why do they keep her alive for a bit? Is it to like sort of doubt that she's actually in a coma or I think maybe to give Jeff that weird something to go at because jeff is like oh it's a double is it yeah yeah i guess maybe to give it a slight loophole because if she's dead kathleen's appearance is more just a ghost yeah which maybe is too ridiculous i don't know yeah maybe i, I like I, I don't mind it i just sort of just like if she is dead it's the same kind of mystery i guess right we've had the effect the method and the reveal but there are other elements which make up a jonathan creek episode oh, i've got so much stuff for this so much stuff for all of them. Okay, let's do the Victor Meldrew award for the most unbelievable scene. Danny, De the Danny DeVito stuff, for sure. Like we've mentioned there. I think the motorbike and sidecar. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. I think the whole Jonathan Creek fan club is really going into that tent and having eight men that look exactly like him. It's quite an unbelievable moment. I, I, I always feel like in this episode, though, Whenever I watch it, I do feel like he is a little bit mean to them. Like I know he's, I know he's like obviously put out by it, and he's a little bit shocked by it. But it feels like he is quite mean spirited about them. Rewatching this show for this podcast, there are times where he is quite prickly. I think 
he is fundamentally quite antisocial. Um, but he is quite mean to them. Yeah, maybe that the way that that comes across then is just is not as mean as it actually is. It's really mean to Colin. Yeah. <laughs> um, the mobile psychotic is really, really good. The weird thing about them all sharing beds with the opposite partner. Yeah. Because, like, I know I know you, you need to have Christine thinking that they're single, but you still wouldn't go, oh, you guys are single. Well, you best share. Uh, there's going to be two strangers sharing a bed with another two strangers then because of that. Just met them. Yeah. That, I just think that's so weird. Why would you stay at their house, firstly? You just met them when there's that hotel around the corner. Yeah, you would you wouldn't just sleep with a stranger like that. It's kind of all over the place in that way as well. It's like I don't like I know, yeah, maybe it's just cuz we need Christine to think that she's not doing something naughty. Whereas if you put Jonathan and Maddie together in a bed, one the weird sort of them having sex or not having sex which goes through all this episode is then put in a weird situation where they're like, "Oh, you should be having sex here." Because you're being forced in the same bed. I don't know. Yeah. But it's weird to give Christy the motivation if he's not single. Because she doesn't really... I've put this elsewhere, but she's really horrible to Jeff. Yeah. (laughs) She gives him up pretty easily. I don't think she needs much of a reason to sleep with Jonathan. No. I Also, I guess in the victim, it could go in grot, but the porridge in the bath. Why is it bubbling? Well, I put that. How hot (laughs) is it? Why yeah. why is it like tar? Yeah. Why how is it bubbling? And also when she's like when Jeff comes in, he's like, You're not supposed to be at, you're supposed to be at Tesco's. How long is he taking at Tesco's? Yeah. She says ready break, and that is Scottish Oaks porridge. Yeah. Why is that? Is that just a production error? Or they don't have any ready break? Yeah, I really, really don't know. I wonder why. What's getting the award? What's most unbelievable? Uh, it's gotta be just the weird Danny DeVito cameo, non-cameo. Yeah, because it doesn't go anywhere. Because why have it? It doesn't go anywhere. Why have it? It doesn't even intersect with the characters that much. No. Did you see it? It's like a little throwaway thing. Is it like to lend it a bit of gravitas that they're going in the first place? So as if like Jonathan wouldn't have gone if Danny DeVito was there. Yeah. Well, they say Danny DeVito is there because he's filming at Elstree, which is close by. But still. There's nothing to do with mystery writers. Nothing to do with mystery writers. I can't even think of like what mystery that he's been in. Like, especially around that time. Twins, I guess, is a mystery. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot of mysterious stuff going on. But yeah, I think Danny DeVito's got to get that. Thing that's dated the most, the crap Photoshop of Kathleen with the like natives. Also, another episode that opens on a pair of boobs. I've put that in grow. It's like first thing you see is a set of tits. Yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> Things that date the most. Uh, page three as a concept. Yeah, that's gone, isn't it? When when did it end? Ooh, I'm gonna go check I that. No, I know there was a there was a big campaign to get rid of it, and then they decided against it. But yeah, like that is wild. Like. On the page three of every Sun newspaper until what does it say when? When it stopped? So February 2012. 2012. Wow. Um, until then, there was a big set of boobs from a model, and a model will be weighing in on the headline. It's wild, that, isn't it? So we just had access to boobs. Do- Sun editor Dominic Mohan said he referred to it on its cancellation at an inquiry, called it an innocuous British institution regarded with affection and tolerance by millions. It's really strange, isn't it? Like, that it was just in, like, yeah. one of the most popular newspapers. it wasn't porn. No, absolutely it, not. But it, 
it's just something a bit rude. <laughs> odd. Really, really odd. Um, that's all I got for the things that date the most. I think they're quite good. I, I also put just printed pornography. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's gone, isn't it? Do you remember? I, th- I think everyone has that story when you find a porn mag in the school playground. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> great. Good times. Good times. All right. Most British thing. There's a lot. I think person in a royal male uniform eating ready salted crisps whilst having a lunchtime pint and reading the sun. <laughs> You're not getting that in Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> At a pub called The Cricketer's Arms. Like, come on. Which is on a cricket green as well. You're not getting more British than that, are you? That's a lovely pub. Yeah, really good. Big old uh, pumps on it. Love it. <laughs> uh, that- Gav, you can't say that in this episode. <laughs> I think that's I think that's pretty good. Eating curly whirlies in bed. Curly whirlies. At first I couldn't tell what it was. I thought it might have been a chomp. Mm. But it's not as curly whirly. Oh, I've not had a curly whirly for ages. That is very like Cadbury's is pretty no, British in its it's like there's not a Cadbury's don't have much of an American presence, does it? No, but Americans do know of Cadbury's and I do think they like it. But yeah, it's based in Birmingham, Cadbury's. Yeah. I'm sure it's owned by an American company now. It's not owned by the people who make Hershey's now. Is it? Hershey's probably bought them to find out how you make chocolate. Yeah, because Hershey's chocolate tastes like sick. It tastes like sick mixed with wax and set. That is wild. The people, like, just the Hershey's Kisses. Like, Hershey's Cookies and Cream, are, like, that's absolutely fine. But the Hershey's Kisses. The Kisses are disgusting. I kind of like them, but I, I, can't, I do think they taste like sick. I think Americans think we have, we eat lots of dark chocolate, and that's where our chocolate is. But... You know, that's not that's not true. Ready Breck, also another British food. Ready Breck's good. I put Colin and Jeff. <laughs> Just people call Colin and Jeff in a drama. Yeah. Page three's in there as well. Calling someone a sad act. Yeah, that's good. Uh, also, Cheesy Flake. <laughs> I think this is a good one. This might be a bit dated, actually. But referring to something as pucker. Yeah. And I think I associate that word with one person in particular. Mm-hmm. Jamie Oliver. Yeah, and his show, The Naked Chef, started in April of this year. I reckon <gasps> that. I reckon that's the Oliver effect. There is another pucker as well in yeah, a previous yeah. episode. No, in so, the next one. In the next one. Yeah. Bloody hell. Naked is what I call my way of cooking. What I cook in the restaurant isn't what I cook at home. Cooking's got to be a laugh. It's got to be simple. It's got to be tasty. It's got to be fun. <laughs> Basically, could say it's stripping down the recipe to its bare essentials. No way, it's not meat for food. I think getting annoyed by a wasp on a sunny day being a major plot point, that's pretty British. <laughs> um, also, uh, really interesting as well, they say feeling a bit grotty. Now, and I just want to point out for anybody who's watching this who obviously noticed that as well, that is not the kind of grot that we're talking about. The grot cabinet is made out of a different kind of grot. It's an all-purpose word. It's an all-purpose word under a big grotty umbrella, but it's not the same grot as before people start writing in. I do kind of have stuff that is that all right. I think maybe like the treatment of Jackie in general and Mrs. Gibson throws a brick through the window. Mrs. Gibson? Just because he does that, like Rupert gets up and is just like, Mrs. Gibson. Like, he's really offended by it. I, 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 yeah, maybe her, her entire 
depiction is a bit... I've put the way that Kathleen talks about the people where she was a missionary. She talks about them as, I've seen my share of spells and sorcery (laughs) in Africa. Have you? Spells and sorcery. Um, She talks about witch doctors and stuff. Yeah, there could be, but she just talks about them. Just the fact that she's a Christian missionary and bringing them the truth. Yeah. Also, weird little detail about Kathleen. She has one leg. Yeah. Eaten by an alligator. A crocodile. That's weird, isn't it? They don't really make a big thing of it. Well, it's one of the reasons why I think she can't get up in the garden. Right. To have a look around. I think it's... And she can't get up in her in her bed and stuff to look around the room. Yeah, she wouldn't get out of bed and stuff like that. Because she needs him to go get her. Because I was like, is he drugging her as well? Surely, like, that would... He, he drugs her when he goes and does the murder. Right. So she doesn't get up. Yeah. And wonder where he is, yeah. Although still, that's a that's a big. You're relying a lot on that drug working on a little old lady, and also not killing her because she is very old. Uh, yeah. Imagine he came back and she's dead as well. He's all for fuck's sake. One was my alibi, and the other thing I got for that. All right, I've kind of touched on it already. Is um, what's the name of the lady called? Christine. Mm. Just talking about cheating on her husband while she's walking directly behind him. Yeah. Cheating on him with a hero, with his hero as well. Yeah, it just says to Maddie, "Oh God, when you see the real thing, oh, I'd leave him in a minute." It's like your husband's right in front of you there. That's not right. Yeah, it's not very nice at all. It's not. That's not very nice. Right, it's a big one. Should we open up the grot cabinet? Massive one, considering Adam's not in it. I know it's good in there. He'd have the time of his life. It was weird because we actually have. A full-on walk-in grot cabinet in this episode. A grot library. <laughs> Rupert's disgusting library. <laughs> and then, of course, I have complete runs of all the late 50s, 60s collectibles. Snip, snap, swank, spanky, tip-top, hotspot, nylon jungle. Flirt and squirt. That brings back memories. A flirt and squirt. Do you know some of these are real? Are they? I went through and checked them. So couldn't find anything for snip, snap. Swank is real. Couldn't find anything for Spanky. Tip Top is real. That's the one she's in. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't find anything for Hot Spot. Nylon Jungle is very real. I looked at a lot of that in the research. And also Flirt and Skirt is real as well. Well, Flirt and Squirt. You didn't want to search for that one. Yeah. <laughs> They're all real. Uh, well, some of them are real, some of them are not. But yeah, it's wild, isn't it? I like that. Uh, Kathleen, when she's talking about like the voodoo witch doctor. I remember a witch doctor in Bali once. He said he could make a volcano erupt by rubbing a snake. Well, of course, when he took me in his hut to show me how it worked. Yes, you've certainly done the rounds, haven't you, since we first met? Yeah, they're like, well, I don't want to hear anymore. I love that. That's good. What have you got to put in the grotto cabinet? Christine talking about sex in the same way Adam talks about sex. Yes. She says, I would swim through treacle to get with Jonathan. What is wrong with these people? It's Renwick, isn't it? He's never had sex. This actually is reflective in the porridge thing. He's got a thing about viscous substances and being suspended in them. He has, yeah. I know you obviously reveal a lot of yourself in your own works and your own writing and stuff. Like, Lord knows we've probably revealed a lot of ourselves in doing this podcast. But he obviously does have, like, warm glue. Warm glue. <sighs> Treacle. There's been a couple more. Quicksand. Ready Breck. Should we try and get an interview with Renwick and put this to him. Put him to him. But also, like I've been listening to a podcast recently that is about un- unearthing a mystery. I-, I think I've got it. I've got the tone 
of how you do it. Like you lead him on, lead him on, like lots of flattery, lots of like, oh, Renners, we we love Jonathan oh, Quay. Oh, oh, Jack in the Box, Jack oh, in the Box. Oh, oh classic lock rumor, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, Rogue Smith and the Cotton Bud. All that, give him all that, give him all that, and then like, um, and then like, oh, I think we're uh coming to the end. Do you like fucking in tar? Do you like fucking in tar, Renners? Yes or no? Give us the answer. And then what? You just got Paxman him. Just gonna keep saying that for twenty minutes. And then he exits the Zoom window, and, and he's gone. That's that's if one th- bad thing is coming from lockdown, you could, don't get a good storm out anymore because people just say leave meeting. And then I say it, it's done. Or they they're just like scrambling to find the button. You're like, you're yeah. set, you're set, you're set. <laughs> right, I'm leaving. That's good. That's a good grot cabinet. You got anything more to go in there? No. Let's shut in for another week then. What a wild Jonathan and Maddie update. But even wilder considering what we've talked about in recent episodes, where it's just hit a roadblock. I do not get this idea. They've been going nowhere, and the first time you see them here, they're just about to have sex. It's not satisfying. That's what Maddie says. <laughs> well, the, it's almost at the point where they're just friends, and they always spend a lot of time together, and they talk about yeah. a lot of things. They've obviously just come to the decision to do it in a calculated way, in an organized way. Yeah. And it just doesn't, like, Jonathan just can't get into the mood. It's awkward. They're doing it in the middle of the afternoon. Is it, like... Is this more realistic and sophisticated than we realize or something? Because I, I'm all for that and I'm like all Pinto. for going Yeah, and I'm all I'm all for something like that and being like, ooh, that was good. That relationship wasn't depicted in the way that I wanted to. Is that why I feel so unsatisfied by it? Is that it's actually quite sophisticated? I think also because it's event we know ultimately it leads to nothing. If there's more of them to come after this and mm. they refer back to this episode yeah, and what happens, then maybe it's not. But we just know this is about to stop now because they have sex a second time in the Airbnb. And what's quite good about that scene is they go, oh, sorry, they have sex for the first time in the Airbnb. They don't have it in Maddie's flat. Yeah. Actually, I meant to put this in Grot Cabinet, but it can go here. When Maddie says, it's like having sex with um, your favourite uncle. Ugh. I mean, that's a bit insensitive after Ghost Forge. Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah. Jonathan says as well, is that which you shouldn't do? Well, not with your uncle watching. Like, oh, just don't do it at all. Are they making jokes about Ghost Forge? Because that's inappropriate. Yeah, maybe. But it's almost as if they both go, oh, yeah, we shouldn't do that again. But as soon as they say that, they go, well, we could try again. Yeah. So I, I take that as they do want to. They're just kind of, nobody wants to say it. And it is a, is a bit weird because they've been such good friends. But they're about to try again. That's why I find it really annoying that Jonathan goes off. Yeah. Just tell Christine to piss off. Yeah, that's really strange. And then very shortly after, so he gets beat up by Jeff because she goes around and Maddie's done that. He is, he kind of still blames Maddie for that. Yeah. Um, for getting beat up because she's like, oh, should we batten down the hatches, get some wine in? And, and then he just trundles off then to the train station. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like, I I do, I just think it's not, it's not well crafted. But maybe that, you know, I'm, I'm giving it an out and saying that maybe it is actually just really just, it's just because it's not the norm. I'm thinking that. Yeah. In the first scene, they're very much playing into their individual characters so far. Jonathan's beat that slight Jonathan thing of being a little bit 
uh, with a hypochondriac blaming his body, saying his circadian rhythms, which is obviously a plot point. He says, yeah. oh, I'm all out of whack. I can't do this. And then you've got Maddie in bed. Basically, what does he refer to her as? Um, Bessie Bunter eating yeah. curly whirlies. It's almost Renwick going, what's Jonathan like? What's Maddie like? Exaggerate them. It doesn't happen. I think it's because this never goes anywhere. We know it doesn't. It's more frustrating to have it. Yeah. Than not now. I think this would have been more satisfying. What should have happened is in the very first episode, they should have had sex. They should have been staying over somewhere, like because we do find them now and again in hotels and that. But I think for the first episode, they should have had like after the just before the reveal, the night before the reveal or whatever, they should have gone to bed, got like gone to the got to the B and B, got drunk, had sex, and it's it's a thing that they kind of like all oh, feel awkward about. And one of them wants to mention it, the other one wants to mention it. And then that, then I think this scene is a little bit better and the, the way that it's depicted now is a little bit better. But what you've had instead is this will they, won't they, like quite blatant will they, won't they, like and these all these arguments and stuff. And then you're actually then being robbed of them finally getting together and the reason they get together because they're just like, yeah, let's just do it. It's too late. Whereas if Maddie's around for another three seasons mm. and they end up getting married and all that sort of stuff... What is it? Remind me of um, New Adventures of Superman, Lois and Clark. Yeah, they get together. Yeah, and then what was awesome about that is they got married and they had a kid. Yeah, and they had a life and they did stuff that you've never seen Superman and well Clark Kent and Lois Lane do together. And I, as a kid, I thought that was brilliant. And I always watched that at a similar time to this. Yeah, this just rubbish. Maddie just disappears now after the next episode. Yeah. Because that's the thing, it is possible to do in a satisfying way. Like, I can understand, be like, oh, we don't want them to get together because then that rips the guts out of the show. Yeah, no, you can think of it like that, but you can also think about it like, it gives you a new challenge to come up with interesting ways of showing their relationship. All those little interstitial scenes with just them, that we mm. got them basically having a bit of a kiss or a bit of tension, those suddenly replaced with Jonathan moving in. Yeah. And those are funny little linking scenes in their own right. You don't have to keep introducing these one-off like love interests like Gino or Heidi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or just starting again with someone else. It's really strange, isn't it? Like, so as we said in previous episode, Maddie goes away. Now this is M- Maddie McGillan's penultimate appearance in Jonathan Creek. And then she doesn't come back because... Imagine if someone told you that at the time. Yeah. It's nuts. And I, it's really odd because... She was going off to, so as the story goes, she was going off to have a baby and they didn't want to wait for her to come back. Like, that's, I don't get it. I really, really don't get it. It's a, it's actually a bit disrespectful to what he's actually created with Maddie. Like, you've created a really good character that is a really good, almost opposite to the main character. That, and she's all, and she's as strong as Jonathan Creek in it. But, you just get rid of her and then bring in these just people who just aren't as good. It's not Doctor Who. No. <laughs> yeah. The show is them too, and you just you've gone down this assistant route from now on. I think yeah, we've we've got to bring in a new category in a couple of episodes' time. Oh. Starting was it Satan's Chimney is the first one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when we're gonna have to bring in a new category, this either like 
what would Maddie do or why we wish Maddie was still here. Well, it could be what would Maddie say, but it'd probably be you bastard, you complete <laughs> and utter <laughs> bastard. Well, that's what we'll call it. We'll call it the you bastard element. <laughs> could Maddie have improved this episode? Uh, the answer is always going to be yes, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, next episode is Maddie's last episode. I'm not ready for it. <laughs> On the next episode, we're keeping unpleasant company with the three gamblers. Up the Creek is produced by RKG. We make podcasts and videos about games, movies, basically anything fun, including 23-year-old BBC shows about a magician's assistant who lives in a windmill. If you'd like to find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash RKG. 